Hey everybody, this is Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. If you've listened to the other episodes and you like it, I am very grateful. I'm very grateful. I'm just putting out this information to try to help somebody, anybody, and um, hopefully you can be helped in your journey if it's to have a baby, if it's to um, deal with your being donor-conceived, just like I've had to deal with being donor-conceived for the last 30 years. Um, we're gonna we're in this together. You're not alone. I'm going to so- share with you all the information that I have, and in future episodes, I hope to interview people smarter than me, and and we can solve some problems, solve all the world's problems, right? That's what we're doing here. And in this episode, I finally have something positive to share. I'm so excited because one of the things that has I've realized on my journey, you know, as a donor conceived person and kind of, I guess you can call me an activist, like just trying to get the word out about things that are disagreeable. But I, I noticed that you can't tell people no, 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 no all the time. They hate you for it. Oh, they hate you for it. You can't say, I'm sorry, but you can't have a baby this way. They just, they won't listen. Do not listen. They hate you. So, in perceiving that, I switched my curiosity, um, not just about these negative stories, you know, these shocking stories, but, but I became really interested in like, okay, what are the root causes of infertility? So if you can't, you're not going to take away a person's desire for a child. And that's a good thing to desire a child, you know? Like, it means we're not suicidal as a, as a species. People who want to reproduce, like, they have hope, you know? They've got, it's the, the suicidal nations that, you know, they, they don't want to have babies. They, anyway, so it, I I don't think that we should stop wanting to have babies. I think we should find out the root causes of infertility and solve them. And in my journey, I decided that, um, I discovered that a huge cause of infertility was synthetic estrogens in our environment. And there's, there's two classifications of infertility. You've got clinical infertility where like something's wrong with your body. And then you've got more like social infertility, which is um, you just can't or don't want to form a relationship with the opposite sex because it takes a man and a woman to have a baby. Um, so those are more choices and behavior, I, I guess you could say. And there's a book I read, first book I read on this topic that really made an impact on me. It was called Our Stolen Future by Theo Colburn. And and in it, she chronicles how synthetic estrogens are just absolutely causing rampant infertility in the animal kingdom and because we're mammalian ourselves, also in us. And it's even causing gay behaviors in other animals. So she, she talked about like how the first kind of weird thing she came about in her, she's a biology 
a scientist, you know, biologist, biologist, and she was coming across these bird nests where they had twice as many eggs, but the eggs were very thin. The shells were thin. Bird eggs. Birds' nests. And why would there be twice as many bird nests in... Or why would there be twice as many eggs in a bird nest? And she discovered that there was, like, like female birds coupling up, which is not how they're supposed to do it traditionally. Um, and so she, she got curious. She got more curious, like, what's going on? Anyways, like, all sorts of animals have become, um, have had irregular sexual behavior, more homosexual behavior. Males are much more feminized. So a a typical male, um, like you know this in the fish population, you have severely feminized fish populations where the intersex fish levels are rampant and there's not enough like male-looking fish. And that's because of um, the ginger of fish is determined by the hormone levels in the water. And so when you have... uh, epic synthetic estrogen hormones in the the water that are being put there artificially through through whatever chemicals we're dumping into our environment. Well, that's going to cause um, harmful reproductive effects on the animal population. And so clearly, this has been done with fish, and now we're seeing it in humans as well. So. Where are these synthetic estrogens coming from? Well, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. And in the the book, she outlines them. But the two big ones are pesticides. And every, you know, good liberal can get behind that. Like, you know, yes, organic everything. Get rid of the pesticides. And I'm with that, too. I believe in that, too. But what's a little bit harder to get across the table to people is... Birth control pill, man. The birth control pill is a pure synthetic estrogen. And nobody wants to get rid of their birth control pill. So when I first concluded that, okay, the birth control pill is this synthetic estrogen and it's causing unwanted infertility, like it's the infertility that keeps on, it's the contraceptive that keeps on contracepting, even when you don't want it to. But not only does it, does it, you know, kind of pollute the environment and, and feminize males. Um, it, there's some, some other ways that it causes infertility. Let me share that with you. So uh, Dr. Eric Odeblad is the father of the MRI machine, and he was a um, physicist and a gynecologist from Sweden. And Dr. Odeblad uh, was essentially forced by the Swedish government to perform abortions in his obstetrics practice, but he he didn't sign on to that. He didn't want to end life. He wanted to help usher in uh, live births. And so he re- resigned from his position as a uh, delivering babies, and instead he focused on researching the cervix, the woman's cervix. And the cervix is a very important body part when it comes to fertility. And it creates all sorts of important secretions that assist in fertility. And so he did all this research on the woman's cervix, and he concluded that for every 
year a woman is on the pill, her cervix ages an additional year. So if a woman goes on the pill at age 20, and then when she's 30, she gets married, she wants to have a baby, she's, she's not going to have the cervix of a 30-year-old, she's going to have a cervix of a 40-year-old woman, which means her chances of having a baby are significantly decreased. Um, so that's another important way that, that uh, the pill contributes to infertility. This weekend, I went to a conference by a, a group called FACTS, and it's Fertility Appreciation Collaborative to Teach the Science. And it was founded by a, um, uh, uh, an MD, a family practitioner, um, a woman named Marguerite Duane, who was shocked that um, when she was 29 years old, she was in residency, and she was practicing to become a family doctor. And it, it was only then, she'd already gone through med school and everything else, and it was only after med school and at age 29 that she had ever heard of um natural family planning. And this is essentially the science of knowing when a woman ovulates because you only ovulate one day a month, one day a cycle. The egg is only outside of the the ovary for 12 to 24 hours in a woman's cycle. Okay? So women men are fertile 24 Seven. They're always fertile. Unless, of course, there's a problem. But, but for a woman, uh, a healthy woman is, is only impregnable a very short window of time during her cycle. And so it, there's, in natural family planning, what you do is you just, you, you're able to understand when that fertility window is and you abstain from heterosexual intercourse during that fertile window. Um, rather than taking the pill every day, which, by the way, is a type 1 carcinogen. It's up there with cigarettes and rat poison. And it ages your cervix, and it feminizes the entire animal kingdom. So rather than using that shitty product, excuse my French, um, all a woman has to do to avoid pregnancy is... Um, Learn how to read her body's biomarkers, which tell her that she's soon going to ovulate, and avoid intercourse during that short, fertile window. And um, I teach natural family planning. I got so into this that I became a teacher. I went and got certified. And in the notes of this podcast episode, you can I'll, I'll give a link. You can actually sign up with me to take this class on how to understand when you're going to ovulate. Um, so just please sign up for class. And so you can avoid these chemicals. You don't have to dump synthetic estrogens into the environment with your birth control pill. You don't have to age your cervix. You don't have to get cancer or welcome cancer by taking this carcinogenic pill. You can space your pregnancies, bond with your partner all you want, naturally and without hormones. So 
Um, let me tell you more about the history of natural family planning and these ethical solutions to infertility. Um, there's the founders of this method. This is not the rhythm method, by the way. It is not the rhythm method. So the rhythm method was um, based off of the assumption that every woman ovulated on day 14 of her cycle. So day one of your cycle is the first day you get your period. And then 14 days later, it assumed that every woman ovulated on day 14. But that's not really true. Women ovulate at all sorts of different times. If you're breastfeeding, you might not ovulate for like a year or two. If um, You could have short cycles, like a 24-day cycle. You could have long cycles, like a 35-day cycle. And you could ovulate anywhere in between then. Um, so that's why the rhythm method was wrong. And the... What natural family planning is, is it's a natural, modern method. And it was discovered by doctors John and Evelyn Billings. This is an Australian couple. And I, I helped make a movie about this. And I'm going to link to that in the notes, too. Um, there's a movie, Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humane Vitae. And it's available on Vimeo. Um, you can buy a DVD at sexualrevolutionmovie.com. I narrated the film. I'm deeply passionate about this issue and topic, and um, I urge you to watch it. But so, doctors John and Evan Billings, um, they're Catholic, so don't hold that against them. But John's priest went to John and he said, Look, dude, <laughs> just like that, look, dude, this is an Australian priest, and he said, The rhythm method sucks, and can you come up with something better? Obviously, he phrased it differently, but John John said, what do you mean, find something better? No, you have to find somebody else to do this kind of work. And the priest said, okay, I'll find somebody else to do it. And But he never did. So three months later, he, he went back to John and he said, look, I can't find anybody else. Can you please, please research something better than the rhythm method? And John obliged and he obediently did what his priest asked and it was like a 50-year career of learning about and sharing natural family planning so what he and his wife who's his wife is brilliant brilliant and she's a pediatrician her name is Evelyn Billings and she uh, stepped in when she realized that um it was really women that needed to be sharing this with each other because women don't like talking to men, even their own male doctors about their cervix and, you know, down their issues. So, so she came into the picture and really like set the whole thing on fire. And they, they essentially discovered that um, at first they thought that, you know, using temperature, as well as charting your cervical fluid. What is cervical fluid? Let me tell you. I think every woman has had the experience where you think that you get your period and then you go to the bathroom and you realize, oh, that's not blood. Well, that is cervical fluid. And that tells you about your fertility. So, um, and I teach this class, I'm not going to, teach it on a podcast I couldn't possibly do that but you can sign up for the class and I can teach you more about this but if you chart a woman's cervical fluid you can figure out when she's going to ovulate 
Um, and then they realized that, you know, I don't even, we don't even need to do the temperature, really. I think just by going off the cervical fluid alone, a woman can tell when she might be fertile. So this was groundbreaking research, and um, Mother Teresa invited them to come share it in Calcutta. So in India at the time... I'm getting a phone call, sorry. In India at the time, it was... They had, it wasn't like China's one-child policy. This was the 1950s and 60s, or 60s actually, that they started spreading this. So um, in India, women could be brutally tortured for having too many children. Um, So the state would come in and the state would burn them or kidnap them or sterilize them against their will if they had too many children, one or two being enough in their eyes. And so Mother Teresa, being a obviously pro-life Catholic woman, she she had to do something about the forced abortions, forced sterilizations. And so she brought John and Evelyn Billings to India to teach them, to teach her nuns how to teach the, the women who were considered the poorest of the poor and totally illiterate how to understand their own fertility. And so Mother Teresa did this with a huge success rate, like 99% success rate. And these women were um, able to learn this. It's not rocket science. They were completely capable of learning this information and were motivated to do so so that they could avoid being kidnapped and tortured and having forced sterilizations. And so um, if you were taught by one of Mother Teresa's nuns, the, the Billings ovulation method, which is the method I teach, you could you received an ID card, kind of like a little driver's license or a, you know, proof of certificate of the taking the class and the government would spare you. They would, they wouldn't bother you. They wouldn't sterilize you. So, um, they not only were in India teaching this, but they went to China to teach this as well. And China in the 1960s and 70s and 80s had the one child policy. And now they've upped it to a two-child policy because they realize, like, a nation without girls, <laughs> like, if you abort every single female on your planet, you're going to have <sighs> problems down the line. And so now they've got a two-child policy, but it, for a long time it was, it was one-child policy. And so they went to China and they taught this method. And in China, they, Dr. Stephen Moser of the Population Research Institute, um, he was interviewed in the in the Sexual Revolution film, and he was talking about just he he went to China completely pro-choice, completely like democratic pro-choice, but he uh, has since changed his stance because what he saw in China was women being uh, forced against their will to have brutal abortions if they were to conceive a second child. And so he showed me a picture of a woman who with a she was seven months pregnant, and the government kidnapped her and. Did a forced performed a forced abortion on her, and she was too poor to pay for the disposal of her child's body. So the doctor just put the f- bloody fetus on the bed right next to her and told her, "This is your fault. You did this to yourself." And he showed me the picture of the bloody remains of this woman's child right next to her. So the 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's sad to think about. So the women in China were highly motivated to not conceive. It was very important for them to, to be able to not conceive. Um, so John and Evan Billings went and they taught natural family planning to Chinese women. And it is a government-approved form of family planning in China. It was government-approved during the one-child policy days. And it has a 99% effectiveness rate in avoiding pregnancy. And they spent a great deal of time trying to teach this method in China and spread the news about it, which is why you haven't really heard about it a lot in the United States, because while John and Evelyn were busy um, in these developing countries trying to, to fight against serious human rights violations, um, the pill kind of took off in the United States and in the West. And the pill was created by it's the brainchild of margaret sanger margaret sanger's the founder of planned parenthood and she wanted a pill that women could take that their husbands wouldn't know about and that would control the number of babies that she had um so she she went to a man named uh, gregory pincus dr gregory pincus and not only is he kind of the father of the pill but he's also the father of ivf so he was the first man to experiment with IVF and he did it in rabbits in Worcester, Massachusetts, um, part of UMass, University of Massachusetts. And um, I got to go, in the making of this film, I got to go to the the lab that he created the pill in and that he created IVF in. And it is the creepiest place I've ever been in my life. And there was paint peeling back everywhere and it's kind of like a mansion like imagine red brick um little mansion uh, with white columns and white molding trim on like the two or three story building and this was massachusetts in the fall that i went so the leaves were just turning and it was crisp and there was beakers and vials and petri dishes and shelves and shelves of medical equipment that all with spider webs and broken and like half fallen off the shelves like nobody had touched the place in 30 40 years um but still very clearly a, a laboratory and it looked like it had been just ransacked in some of the, the rooms like you look in and there's 1980s phones on the floor with the with the cable like still attached to the wall but it's on the floor and dirty chairs having fallen over and papers and litter and dust galore and you walk on the premises and it's just you get this nausea nausea I just got this nausea like sick 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 feeling to my stomach and then I left to go um, do another errand and I felt better but then I came back a few hours later I got the nausea again and there was this black latex glove just like in the yard not a blue latex glove or a white one a black latex glove just single-handling on the floor like a crime scene you know like like they were trying to cover up their fingerprints or something it was just so creepy and um there was this creek bed right next to it that was dry a dry creek bed deep but no water and there was a filing cabinet that someone had dumped into this creek bed, creek bed, 
Like, what kind of, what were you trying to hide by throwing your evidence away so quickly? It was just so bizarre, this place. And this is where Dr. Gregory Pincus created his pill and IVF. And um, when they were first doing, I, well, I want you to, to watch the film. So sexualrevolutionmovie.com, where you can go to Vimeo On Demand and search for Sexual Revolution 50 Years Since Humanity Day. But we go into, like, how how they conducted their experiments. <laughs> like, big difference between how Margaret Sanger and Gregory Pincus went about conducting their experiments on women versus what John and Evan Billings did. So John and Evan Billings basically just talked to women. Like, tell me about your cervical fluid. Can you write down if you had any today? Um, and the Gregory Pincus and Margaret Sanger, they... They were guilty of some human right, rights violations themselves. So I'll just stop there and you can watch the film. But so natural family planning versus the pill. Natural family planning, there's no hormones, there's no side effects, there's no human rights abuses, and it's 99% effective in avoiding pregnancy. But it can also really be used effectively in achieving pregnancy too. So um, for, for women trying to conceive there's an 85% success rate in using natural family planning. Um, if, you, if you know when you're ovulating, that's the only time you can get pregnant. So <laughs> you need to focus your intercourse on the days that you're ovulating. Not People assume, I, I don't know where we learned this, but we, we've taught women that we're like fertile all the time, just like men. And you're supposed to take a pill every day because you assume that you're fertile every day, but that's just not how a woman's body works. And so it can help you achieve pregnancy by t telling you when you ovulate. And it can also tell you about what might be going wrong. So I went to a conference this weekend put on by facts. So fertility appreciation collaborative teaching the facts. And there, it was a room full of doctors and OBGYNs, um, people who were very passionate about actually healing women. And there was a presentation that I, that was done by Dr. Mary Martin, who's an OBGYN out of Oklahoma, and she specializes in bioidentical hormones. And she she did a brilliant presentation on overcoming PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And she told the crowd that the majority of female infertility cases stems from anovulation. So a woman doesn't ovulate, and that's the reason she's infertile. Okay, you might be saying, okay, duh, <laughs> if she's not ovulating, of course she's infertile. But um, with PCOS, she said something very interesting. And I get a lot of clients with PCOS in my natural family planning practice. And PCOS, it, it's not that you're not ovulating because you have PCOS. You have PCOS because you're not ovulating. And so it's a, it's a problem with the follicular development. So the eggs are not maturing properly. The egg follicles aren't releasing. And so in a lot, it, she said it stems from too much estradiol, which it's like too much estrogen in the body. So again, we're going back to these synthetic estrogens in our environment, causing mayhem and infertility. Um... And so she outlined some techniques to, to, to get the 
estradiol levels back down to downregulate them and to to cause an ovulation or to to get the estrogen levels low enough so that a woman's body can heal. Because you know how they say, you know, the cure for endometriosis and the cure for PCOS is is pregnancy. Um, well, that's because when you become pregnant, your your estrogen levels go low again. Your <laughs> your your body's not on like hyperstimulation with these hormones anymore. So she had some really great feedback on that, and um, I would just research Dr. Mary Martin and the reproductive. Health Research Institute, which is the research arm of FEM, F-E-M-M, and that's one of the natural family planning methods that's now gotten really popular. They've got an app. Um, They're doing really great work. They're they're pretty well funded, and so the Reproductive Health Research Institute is uh, where she's a part of. Um, She was a protege of James Brown, Dr. James Brown, not the musician. There's a (laughs) There's also a, a doctor named James Brown, and he was from New Zealand, but he was like the world's leading endocrinologist back in the 60s. And actually, originally he had worked for Dr. Gregory Pincus, who was the, the developer of the pill and IVF, but um, he didn't like working for Dr. Pincus, and he, he actually resigned from working with him and instead worked with John and Evelyn Billings to develop natural family planning. And he said, you know, it's not natural for a woman to just to trick her body into thinking it's constantly pregnant with the pill. That's not good. So he, he instead changed careers to work with the natural method, natural family planning. And so Dr. James Brown um, did really great work and moved to Australia and, and spent his career there. And Dr. Mary Martin was a protege of his. So she's just a genius and just totally brilliant, and you should check out her. And also, um, Dr. Hilders is an American doctor who studied with John and Evelyn Billings, and he uh, learned the Billings ovulation method, and he was determined to help heal infertility patients himself. So he founded the Pope Paul VI um, um, Institute, yeah, Pope Paul VI Institute in Omaha, Nebraska. And he developed something called NAPRO technology, so natural procreative technology. And he's a Catholic himself. You can probably tell from the name of his institute. But he was just determined to not do IVF in his practice because he didn't believe in creating embryos just to destroy them. Um, And he really wanted to restore a woman's reproductive abilities. So what he does is he has a woman chart her cycle. And what NAPRO technology does is it finds the underlying root cause of her infertility, ding, ding, ding. You think all fertility doctors would do this, but they don't. They just sucker punch you with IVF. Um, And so he has his patients chart their cycle, and then he can determine, okay, is this PCOS? Is this endometriosis? Is there scar tissue on the ovaries? Is her cervix totally broken because of an abortion procedure? Is 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 she low on her progesterone levels and so miscarrying constantly? Like, what is the underlying issue, and can it be corrected with hormone therapy, or can it be corrected with a surgery or laser procedure? And his success rates are like a gazillion times better 
than the IVF rates. The failure rate for IVF is 76%. So you spend $10,000 on a product or a service, and its failure rate is 76%. Tell me in what other, like, on what planet is that okay? But with, with NAPRO technology and natural family planning, the average cost is $200 to $400. And the success rate is anywhere between 50 and 85% for women trying to conceive, even women who had failed IVF attempts. So please spread the news about NAPRO technology and natural family planning because it works, it's more dramatically more affordable and don't you don't you want to fix what's wrong instead of just put an expensive band-aid over it so this is my passion now I'm gonna um if you guys want to take a class on how to chart your cycle I can provide that so uh there's a link in the notes of this you can sign up and I'll teach you how to chart. And we'll see if you are infertile or if you've just been having sex at the wrong time. <laughs> it's sad, but sometimes it happens. And and then I can connect you with doctors, um, perhaps doctors in your area, that know NAPRO technology and that um, can actually heal you. So um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please watch Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae. It's a good movie with a lot of information that I was a part of and I will see you on the next episode have a wonderful day